Chapter Twenty Seven of the House of the Wolfings. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The House of the Wolfings by William Morris. Chapter Twenty Seven. They wend to the morning battle. Now when Theodolf came back to the camp, the signs of dawn were plain in the sky. The moon was low and sinking behind the trees, and he saw at once that the men were stirring and getting ready for departure. He looked gladly and blithely at the men he fell in with, and they at him, and scarce could they refrain a shout when they beheld his face and the brightness of it. He went straight up to where the hall sun was yet sitting under her namesake, with Aranborn standing before her amidst of a ring of leaders of hundreds and scores, but old Sorley sat by her side clad in all his war gear. When Theodol first came into that ring of men, they looked doubtfully at him, as if they dreaded somewhat. But when they had well beheld him, their faces cleared, and they became joyous. He went straight up to Aranborn, and kissed the old warrior, and said to him, I give thee good morrow, O leader of the bearings. Here now is come the war-duke, and meseems that we should get to work as speedily as may be, for lo, the dawning. Hail to thine hand, war-duke, said Aranborn joyously for there is no more to do but to take thy word concerning the order wherein we should wend, for all men are armed and ready. Said Theodolf, Lo, ye, I lack war gear and weapons. Is there a good sword thereby, a helm, a burning, and a shield? For hard will be the battle, and we must fence ourselves all we may. Hard by, said Ernborn, is the war gear of Ivar of our house, who was dead in the night of his hurts gotten in yesterday's battle. Thou and he are alike in stature, and with a good will doth he give them to thee and they are goodly things, for he comes of smithying blood. Yet it is a pity of wrong-plough that he lieth on the field of the slain. But Theodolf smiled and said, Nay, Ivar's blade shall serve my turn to-day, and thereafter shall it be seen too, for then will be time for many things. So they went to fetch him the weapons. But he said to Aranborn, Hast thou numbered the host? What are the gleanings of the Roman sword? Said Aranborn, here have we more than three thousand three hundred warriors of the host fit for battle, and besides this here are gathered eighteen hundred of the wolfings and the bearings, and of the other houses, mostly from over the water, and of these nigh upon seven hundred may bear sword or shoot shaft, neither shall ye hinder them from doing so if the battle be joined. Then said Theodolf, We shall order us into three battles, the wolfings and the bearings to lead the first, for this is our business, but others of the smaller houses this side of the water to be with us, and the Elkings and Gauntlings and the other houses of the Midmark on the further side of the water to be in the second, and with them the more part of the Nethermark, but the men of the Uppermark to be in the third, and the stay-at-homes to fall along with them, and this third battle to let the wood cover them till they be needed, which may not be till the day of the fight draws to an end, when all shall be needed, for no Roman man must be left alive or untaken by this even, or else we must all go to the gods together. Hearken, Aranborn, I am not called foresighted, and yet meseems I think somehow how this day shall go, and it is not to be hidden that I shall not see another battle till the last of all battles is at hand. But be of good cheer, for I shall not die till the end of the fight, and once more I shall be a man's help unto you. Now the first of the Romans we meet shall not be able to stand before us, for they shall be unready, and when their men are gotten ready and are fighting with us grimly, ye of the second battle shall hear the war token, and shall fall on, and they shall be dismayed when they see so many fresh men come into the fight, Yet shall they stand stoutly, for they are valiant men, and shall not all be taken unawares. Then, if they withstand us long enough, shall the third battle come forth from the wood, and fall on either flank of them, and the day shall be won. 
but I think not that they shall withstand us so long, but that the men of Upmark and the stay-at-homes shall have the chasing of them. Now, get me my war gear, and let the first battle get them to the outgate of the Garth. So they brought him his arms, and meanwhile the hall-son spake to one of the captains, and he turned and went away a little space, and then came back, having with him three strong warriors of the wolfings, and he brought them before the hall-son, who said to them, Ye three, Steinolf, Athelulf, and Granny the Grey, I have sent for you, because ye are men both mighty in battle, and the deft woodwrights and housesmiths. Ye shall follow Theodolf closely, when he winneth into the Roman Garth. Yet shall ye fight wisely, so that ye not be slain, or at least not all. Ye shall enter the hall with Theodolf, and when ye are therein, if need be, ye shall run down the hall at your swiftest, and mount up into the loft betwixt the middle hearth and the woman's chamber, and there shall ye find good store of water in vats and tubs, and this ye shall use for quenching the fire of the hall if the foemen fire it, as it is not unlikely to be. Then Granny spoke for the others, and said he would pay all heed to her words, and they departed to join their company. Now was Theodolf armed, and Arnborn turning about him before he went into his place, beheld him, and knit his brow, and said, What is this, Theodolf? Didst thou not swear to the gods not to bear helm or shield in the battles of the strife? Yet hast thou Ivar's helm on thine head, and his shield ready beside thee? Wilt thou forswear thyself? So doing shalt thou bring woe upon the house. Aaronborn, said Theodolf, where didst thou here tell of me that I had made myself the thrall of the gods? The oath that I swear was sworn when mine heart was not whole towards our people, and now I will break it, that I may keep what of good intent there was in it, and cast away the rest. Long is the story, but if we journey together tonight I will tell it thee. Likewise I will tell it to the gods if they look sourly upon me when I see them, and all shall be well. He smiled as he spoke, and Ernborn smiled on him in turn, and went his way to array the host. But when he was gone, Theodolf was alone in that place with the hall-son, and he turned to her, and kissed her, and caressed her fondly, and spake, and said, So fare we, O my daughter, to the sunderings of the ways. Short is my journey henceforth to the door that ends my days, and long the road that lieth as yet before thy feet. How fain were I that thy journey from day to day were sweet with peace to thee and pleasure, that a noble warrior's hand in its early days might lead thee adown the flowery land, and thy children in its noontime cling round about thy gown, and the wise that thy womb has carried when the sun is going down, be thy happy fellow-farers to tell a tale of earth. But I wot that for no such sweetness did we bring thee into birth, but to be the soul of the wolfings till the other day should come, and the fruit of the kindred's harvest with thee is garnered home. Yet if, for no blithe faring, thy life-day is ordained, yet peace that long endureth, maybe thy soul hath gained. And thy sorrow of this, even thy latest grief shall be, the grief whereon thou singest, the death-song over me. She looked up at him and smiled, though the tears were on her face. Then she said, Though to-day the grief beginneth, yet the bitterness is done. Though my body wendeth barren neath the beams of the quickening sun, yet remembered still abideth, and long after the days of my life shall I live in the tale of the morning, when they tell of the ending of strife, and the deeds of this little hand, and the thought conceived in my heart, and never again henceforward from the folk shall I fare apart. And if of the earth, my father, thou hast tidings in thy place, thou shalt hear how they call me the ransom, and the mother of happy days. Then she wept outright for a brief space, and thereafter she said, Keep this in thine heart, O father, that I shall remember all, since thou liftest the she-wolf nursling in the oak tree's leafy hall, 
Yea, every time I remember when hand in hand we went amid the shafts of the beech trees, and down to the youngling bent, the folk wolf in his glory, when the eve of fight grew nigh. And every time I remember when we wandered joyfully adown the sunny meadow and lived a while of life, midst the herbs and the beast and the water so free from fear and strife, that thy years and thy might and thy wisdom I had no part therein. But thou wert as the twin-born brother of the maiden slim and thin, the maiden shy in the feast hall, and blithe in wooden field. Thus have we fared, my father, and even now when thou bearest shield on the last of thy days in mid-earth, betwixt us tis even so, that the heart of my like-aged brother is the heart of thee that I know. Then the bitterness of tears stayed her speech, and he spake no word more, but took her in his arms a while, and soothed her, and fondled her, and then they parted and he went with great strides toward the outgoing of the Thingstead. There he found the warriors of his house, and of the bearings, and the lesser houses of Bidmark, all duly ordered for wending through the wood. The dawn was coming on apace, but the wood was yet dark. But whereas the wolfings led, and each man of them knew the wood like his own hand, there was no straying or disarray, and in less than a half-hour's space Theodolf and the first battle were come to the wood behind the hazel trees at the back of the hall, and before them was the dawning round about the roof of the kindred. The eastern heavens were brightening, and they could see all things clear without the wood. End of chapter 27 Recording by Todd